As well, there's um, information that gets sent out in weekly email. Please sign up for that. Because, again, a lot of things changes. Uh, One of the changes that's going to start next Sunday is to help out families. Maybe you've got little kids and you've been kind of wrestling. It's like, oh, what am I going to do with my kids for the entire service? was kind of the official kids-owned program taking their time off in the summer. We're going to be setting up directly above us here. Like right here through the ceiling. We're going to be setting up a family lounge. So there'll be a place there where you could, like, the service is going to be running up there. You could worship up there. You can connect with people up there. And there'll be, like, stations for your kids to be busy and do what kids want to do. So that's, like, literally right here. Like, right there. And so, you know, we'll be able to hear your kids jumping around on top of me while I'm preaching. It'll be lots of fun. Okay? So we want to make that available. So, um, again, make sure you're signed up for the weekly email to get information about all of that. So um, this is a season, it's also a season um, in our city where Ottawa is a very transient city, where we have people who move and people who come. And this is that time of year where that happens. And so for those of you who have been a part of our church family who are in that season now of moving, I hope you know you're loved. And I hope you know that you've made a difference in our lives from the time that you've spent here. You're deeply loved. And those of you who are moving here, who might be checking us out now that you're new here, I hope you feel welcomed. And I hope you get connected in our church family so that you too can experience the love of our church and so that we too can mutually bless and build up one another. Because I get it. It's a crazy, crazy time of year here in our city. And so this is why this morning we're talking about love. We're talking about loving one another. How many of you have ever heard kind of the Christian phrase, we're supposed to love like Jesus loved? You ever heard that? I'm, we're, gonna, we're called to show hands. If you've heard any kind of deviation of that expression, we as the church, we as Christians are called to love like Jesus loves. Now, how many of you, again, honestly, show hands, sometimes wonder what that means? <laughs> right? Because there's some people that I don't really like. There's some people who not only do I not really like them, they actually make my life miserable. And if you're sitting beside that person, I know this joke gets really old, but if you are sitting beside that person, don't make eye contact, right? There's a challenge that we all face in the journey of becoming like Jesus. And that's what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. We've been going through just a tiny letter at the very back of your Bible that's called 1 John. It's written by the Apostle John, written to a church in a season where there's a lot of turmoil, a lot of conflict, a lot of doubt, a lot of insecurity, a lot of bad teaching that's happening. And in the midst of all of this turmoil... Everybody's just trying to figure out what is this love that Jesus demonstrated to the world? And what is this love that the church is called out to live? Now, one of the things that I love about our church, and I say this all the time, is I'm so grateful that this is not a one-man, one-woman show. We're very passionate about seeing people step into their spiritual gifts so that you can use the gifts and the talents that God has given you to show love. (laughs) 
right? So I just want to very, very quickly, she's going to hate me for doing this, but thank you, Elizabeth, for all the ways that you serve and help out around here. We're very grateful for you. So thank you so much. <laughs> you are loved. <laughs> Okay. Whenever we do this and thank people, they always look at me like this. It's like, don't call me up. I'll never call you up. Okay. But uh, we just, again, we appreciate this, you know, of people growing in their faith and figuring out what does this mean to love like Jesus loves? Because I honestly believe if we get this wrong, the world notices. And I'm not even going to talk today about loving the world. Today, I'm going to talk about loving one another. Christians loving Christians. When we get that wrong, (laughs) it's a big deal. Because Jesus said that the world will know that you are my followers by having sound doctrine and casting out the people you disagree with. Wrong. Thank you. Good thing you know that. Jesus said you will know that the world will know you are my disciples, my followers by your love for one another. I spent a lot of time on Christian Twitter this week. Christian Twitter is the most heartbreaking place on the internet. The way we treat one another. And the world watches this. And is it any wonder why the world wants nothing to do with us? It's that important. Loving one another is crucially important in the ministry and in the life, the teaching of Jesus and of the apostles and of the church. So let's look at this today. We're continuing in 1 John. I'm going to read from chapter 3, starting in verse 11. And uh, it was a crazy morning this morning. And so I'm going to have to use my phone because I forgot my glasses. (laughs) And so I got my big font. Oh, yeah, I can read that one. Okay. (laughs) I love mornings. Ah, Okay. And I left my glasses literally sitting right there where I would grab them when I walked out the doors. But... um, Let's talk about about this loving one another from 1 John's letter. So let me read here from 1 John chapter 3, and I'm starting to read in verse 11. It says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. 
Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he's commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So there's a lot in these short 13 verses here. But did you hear how many times the Apostle John talks about love? And again, he's narrowed it down to love within this context, love within the church. He's not talking about loving your enemies. He's not talking about loving the world, people of other faith, people of other religions, or, you know, people like atheists or people who are hostile towards the Christian faith. He's not even approaching that subject yet. He's talking about the family of God, the church of God talking about this importance to love one another, right? Throughout this letter, we've been learning how John is trying to guard the heart of the church, to not drift away to like the false teachers that are trying to teach them a different message about Jesus, right? Trying to teach them messages like, well, Jesus isn't really God, or Jesus wasn't really full, like, fully human and fully God. Jesus isn't the only way to God. You still need to keep all of the Jewish traditions. You need to keep these new traditions that we're making up as we go along. We need to cast out certain people. We need to only welcome these people. There's all these things at play here that these false teachers are bringing into the life of the church. And, and John, as, as a spiritual parent in the church, is trying to guard the heart and the purity of the church to not drift away from the clear teachings of Jesus. But the thing is, in John's context, the church is under attack. And there are outside forces, and we saw this, but forces of darkness that are trying to creep its way into the church, that are trying to slam Christians, that are trying to make their lives miserable. And so in this constant slamming that we're dealing with in life, how do we posture ourselves to love? How do we posture ourselves to love one another? And he starts this section here, and he starts it off by saying that this is this commandment that you've heard from the beginning. Right? It's this commandment that was right there from the very beginning. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. Right? What is this message? Which, like, which message from the beginning? Is he talking about Genesis chapter 1-1? One, one? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he's talking about the messaging and the teaching of Jesus and the teachings of the apostles. Like You've heard this when they started and planted this church. You heard from the beginning that God loves you, that Jesus died and paid for your sin. And because you are so loved, the only way we can respond is in love. That's this message from the beginning. And so John is reminding them about that here in this section. And that's what we've been looking at is this whole entire journey. We started this series off talking about becoming like Jesus is a journey of confessing and obeying and loving. That was right from the first week. 
We talked about it in week two. We talked about how becoming like Jesus is a journey of discerning the truth from the lies. There are spiritual lies out there right now that tell you it is okay to hate another Christian. And we believe them because it feels great. (laughs) It feels justified. (laughs) And we can fall into this lie that it's okay to hate. Okay. We've got to be able to discern truth from lies. In week three, last week, we talked about becoming like Jesus is a journey of dealing with our own sin. It's easier to love someone else when your focus isn't on their sin, but it's on your own. It's easier for me to love my wife, not to pick on you, Danielle, this morning, but she doesn't have many sins. There are a couple. One or two. But, and I could get really focused on those and get really bent out of shape and go stomping around the house. And it's like, oh, yeah, for her, too, I've got 90. Okay, I should really work on my 90. Okay? This is how love works, right? So everything that we've been talking about concludes into this hugely important message about loving one another. Because it's hard, and it's challenging, and it's messy. And what I love about how this section finishes, when it says, how are you going to know that this is actually working? He says, we know it by the spirit he gave us. You cannot love the way John describes here in this passage unless you are fully surrendered to letting the Holy Spirit do it in you. You can't. I can't. None of us can love this way unless we fully surrender to let the Spirit change us, to correct us, to rebuke us, to teach us, to live through us. Right? So this is kind of what I want to talk about this morning. I promised everybody I would do a shorter message today because all the kids in the room. I promised they will be shorter. And I want to talk today just about two things from the text here that we see when it comes to how can we lean into the Holy Spirit? How can we let Holy Spirit work in us to help us become men, women, boys, and girls who love like this, that we love one another, and that our love for one another would be what people notice, That our love for one another in our families, in our church, here in our city with other ministries and other churches and the relationships that we have with them. When the world sees that, they see a difference. Right? So how do we do that? Well, the first thing that we see from this text here that can help us allow Holy Spirit to work more in our lives is the first thing we have to do is we have to trust the Holy Spirit to overcome hate. We have to overcome hate. Like John starts this section up, this section of the, his letter, uh, talking about the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, if you're new to the Bible or new to church, you're not too sure exactly who Cain and Abel are. Cain and Abel, these are the children of Adam and Eve. These are brothers, right? And Cain was very jealous of Abel. 
They would bring sacrifices before God, and one brother's sacrifice before God was good, but the other brother's wasn't. And so Cain was jealous of Abel, and so Cain murdered his brother. Now, the takeaway today, kids, is not that you can smack around your brother. It's not the takeaway, okay? But he starts with this story, and it's saying that out of that very first human relationship, it's the first family after the fall. After we stepped out of the Garden of Eden, it didn't take a hundred generations for hatred to come into the world. It didn't take thousands of years for humanity to evolve and to become hateful people. It happened instantly. As soon as sin and death came into the world, hatred was right there within the family. Within the family. And so this is what Paul, uh, John's reminding here, that there's this there's hate out in the world. And it can creep in. It creeps into families. It breaks apart families. And it's heartbreaking when it happens, when suddenly siblings don't speak to each other anymore, or children don't speak to parents anymore, or parents don't speak to children anymore, because a hatred creeps in. Happens in churches where if someone hurts us or someone said something or someone did something or we have like, we, we, we make up scenarios about people in our heads and we think it's reality and all of these things and we allow hatred to creep in. See, and John's reminding the church, he's reminding me, he's reminding us that this hate that is out in the world has a way of influencing people. And then he says these words. He says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. So he does make a slight little reference here to people outside of the church. That this hate that we're dealing with, there's people outside that hate us. There's people creeping in that hate us. There's sin within ourselves. Sometimes we hate ourselves. And we hate anybody that reminds us of ourselves. And all of these things at play here. Like Jesus taught about this as well in John chapter 15, where Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. Right. And so how many of you have ever experienced someone hating you? A lot of hands go up. Okay, maybe not hate. How many you've experienced that someone just didn't like you? You know, you had someone at school, someone at work, or just someone who's jealous of you. Like you, you stole someone's girlfriend or you stole someone's boyfriend. Like, yeah, my hands go up. Yeah, I did that. You know, like all these things, right? At some point in life, we come across someone who hates us. What's your default response to that in that moment? I'm not going to say it. Don't shout it out. Especially my wife. I don't know. <laughs> Hi, baby. Okay. You know, my default, if I'm honest, is to hate right back. Is to justify myself, to argue my point, to prove I'm right, to put you in your place. That's my fleshy default. Anyone else? Right? This is what human nature can do. Right, And we got to be so mindful of this. And what's crazy about this topic of loving one another in the church 
And, and John alludes to it here in this chapter. John brings out exactly the teachings of Jesus, right? That hatred comes from the same emotional place as murder. Hatred for a brother and sister comes from the exact emotional place as murder. That's why he pulls in this story of Cain and Abel, right? Jesus made the exact same point when he said this in the Sermon on the Mount on Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, where he says, but I say to you, talking to religious people who want to know who am I allowed to hate? That's what we do in religion. Who can I love? Who do I hate? Because that's what religions do. We want to know the rules. Give me permission. There's a great book that says, who are the people that Christians are allowed to hate? It's a great book. It's about 300 pages, right? And it's 300 pages of blank piece of paper. It's a colossal waste of $19, but if you want to buy the book for a reminder, it's a great book, okay? Because Jesus says this, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. He says that anger of calling a brother a raka, which is the Aramaic for idiot, just calling a Christian an idiot is the same as murdering them in your heart. See, overcoming hate is hugely important, and I think it's incredibly difficult. As the world feels angrier, anyone notice that? Anyone notice over the last three years, the world feels angry? And I don't know if it's just because of you know, the pandemic and everything that went on, or was this a trajectory that we were already on as a Western culture? It just feels like there's more hatred, whether it's in religions, whether it's in denominations, whether it's in politics, whether it's on social media, like whatever the topic is. (laughs) I got a death threat once for saying I didn't like a Star Wars movie. Who does that? Like, seriously, who does that? Who goes on Twitter and threatens to kill a pastor because they thought The Last Jedi was garbage? If you like The Last Jedi, we can be friends. We really can. Okay? But we're so angry, and we're hanging on to so much hatred. And so this is why, so the first part here is we have to figure out how to overcome hatred. But I think the step to overcome hatred is actually the second point. We actually have to start with point two to help us with point one. And point two is that we have to overcome selfishness. We have to overcome selfishness. We can read about this in verse 16 and 17, where it talks about here. No, that's 21, that's 19, that's 18, that's 17, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, there's a huge difference between saying, I love you. I could say it. I could say it. I could say it five times a day. 
but I can also stomp around the house. I could just be like this massive chaos whirlwind going through everything. I could not help. I could be condescending, all these other things. Does it mean I really love? How do you know someone loves you? Because you should see it in action. If someone says they love you and keep punching you in the throat, they don't love you. (laughs) There's a problem with their words and their actions. (laughs) Right? And so, again, and what John does here is great because he's not looking at to the people who are not performing these loving actions. He's calling everybody in the church to look at your own loving actions. Are you willing to sacrifice for somebody else? Are you willing to lay down your rights, your freedoms, your privileges for the sake of somebody else? This is a theme that you find not just in John's writing, but we saw this exact same theme when we studied as a church when we went through the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, the apostle Paul uses languages that he would give up his salvation if it meant the Jewish people would come to know Jesus. That's insane language. That Paul loved the Jewish people so much and so wanted them to come to know the love of God the Father through God uh, the Son, by the power of God the Holy Spirit, that he would give up his salvation for their sake. And yet sometimes we as Western Christians, we can't give up an hour for someone else because we're selfish And we think church exists for me and what I get from it. Now, there are seasons when sometimes people have to go to church for what you get from it because you're just so beaten up. You need to be lovingly built back into. And that's a good place to come and let God do that and let the church do that for you. But then eventually you become healed and then you bless others. I remember I had this conversation. I was brand new in ministry. I was a, I feel so bad. I pray for my senior pastor. When I was an associate pastor, I was like this 30-year-old kid who thought he knew everything. I really did. And, and, uh, and I feel bad for Pastor Dan. Um, I, I made his life uh, terrible. Because <laughs> I was just like, Dan, why are we doing this? And Dan, why are we doing this? And Dan, why are we doing this? And, and, you know, and, and he was so graceful and working with me and guiding me and trying to help me navigate all of this. And, and I remember we had a nasty, nasty situation happen at our church where there were some complaints that were coming in about the church and, and, and we were just kind of ignoring them. And it's like, well, why are we ignoring them? And it's like, well, that's just so-and-so. It's just so-and-so. It's just so-and-so. And then so I kind of pulled out a verse. I said, well, I hear what you're saying. We have to be mindful because, you know, yes, some people, they could be hostile. They could be false teaching. We got to use discernment when we deal with these things in, in life and ministry, even in our families, right? But then I pulled out the verse where it says, well, we need to think of other people as better than ourselves. 
And there are actually things that we can learn from other people that we disagree with. <laughs> right? I actually have to set aside my pride, my education, my knowledge, and maybe I actually have to humbly submit myself to learn something from somebody else. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, oh my goodness, you're right. <laughs> and then we went through a process of dealing with that. Right? It can be challenging. It can be so hard to lay down our selfishness. I don't even want to acknowledge that I might be selfish. Anyone else? You just love the idea. I'm selfish and I'm proud. Any hands? No hands go up for that one. I'm selfish and I'm proud, right? But if I, I'm not going to ask you to do it, but if, you were to, if I were to ask you, do you realize in some parts of your life you're selfish? I think a whole lot of us would say we are, right? And we have to deal with that. And again, You can't deal with that on your own. You need the spirit of God to deal with that. Right? John sees this act of love, this loving one another as being practiced primarily in everyday acts of compassion. Right? John calls for practical love, meeting the needs of those within the Christian family. And when we do that, when we meet the needs of our Christian family, then that spreads. It spreads out into the world, right? Becoming like Jesus, the big idea of it today is this. Becoming like Jesus is a journey of practicing genuine love through sacrificial deeds, the journey of, of becoming like becoming like Jesus is a journey of practicing genuine love through sacrificial deeds because we follow a sacrificial God. We follow a God who sacrificed everything for us. We worship a God who died for us, who laid down his life for us. While I was still a sinner, and while I was the worst of sinners, as Paul teaches in his writings, and I can relate to that because I know I came to Jesus in my late 20s. I know exactly where I was at when it came to sin. Even though everyone thought Kevin was this great guy, Kevin did all this volunteer work in the community, Kevin knew he was greedy and judgmental and prideful and lustful, and boastful. And I knew it. And while I was that, Jesus died for me. Some of you, you know who you were as well before you came to know about Jesus. And this is the beauty about this love that John talks about, is you and I didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to earn it. And we freely receive it because of God's great love. And so how can our response be anything but figuring out how to love? I heard another preacher call it like this. He called church the ultimate chemistry experiment where we throw a whole bunch of different chemicals into a beaker 
beaker. And for those of you who know, know. Okay? Uh, we throw all these different chemicals into a beaker, and we hope it doesn't explode. That's church. <laughs> We throw a whole bunch of different people in here with your sin and your hang-ups and your selfishness and your hatred and all of these things. And we throw it all into this place called Greenbelt Baptist Church and we pray to the Lord of the harvest, to the King of Kings, that it doesn't explode on us. And it doesn't. Why? Because he's with us. And he's not abandoned us to figure this church thing out on our own. And that his love grows in each of you. But we have to figure out the chemicals get shaken up from time to time. So how do we deal with our selfishness? How do we deal with hatred that might be growing into our hearts? Just a couple of quick things to wrap up. You can, and you can find these in the text here. Right? The first is it has to start with your faith in Jesus. In verse 23, it says, this is his command. This is God's command. This is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. It has to start there. It's not about church. It's not about just going to church on Sunday. It's not just about religion. It's believing. See, and believing, see, the word that's used here in Greek is a word that means it's a word that changes action when you believe something you change because of it right if you believe i'm going to pick on smoking right now if you're smoke i'm not picking on you but if you believe smoking is bad but you continue to smoke you don't believe it you know it and that's the difference between you can know god you can know about God, you can know about Jesus, you can know about his sacrifice, you can know about his resurrection, you can know about how he was raised from the dead three days later, you know he sent the Holy Spirit to the church, but you've never believed it with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, and you've turned from sin and turned to Jesus. It has to start there. You cannot deal with your selfishness through church. And through religion. It starts with Jesus. So you need to believe in him. And maybe you're here today or maybe you're joining us online and you've never done that. You know about Jesus, but you've never believed in him. I want you to know it's actually simple to do when your heart opens to it. When you realize maybe you are like me and you can name off the five things that you were. I was boastful, lustful, greedy, arrogant, and prideful. I know who I was. And when I could take those five things and say, Father, forgive me, a sinner. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to be that man. I don't want to be that husband. I don't want to be that father. I don't want to be that son, that brother, that friend. I want to die to that. Come into my life. And if you pray that way this morning, welcome to the family of God. <laughs> Let me know in the cafe afterwards if you pray that way this morning. Greenbelt Online, a little pop-up shows up. Click that. Let us know that you pray that way to believe in Jesus. It's the only thing that will deal with hatred and selfishness in your life is that belief in Jesus. 
And then the second thing that the way we can start to grow in this is we have to do what Jesus, what pleases Jesus. We have to practice this. Again, this is this beaker and all these chemicals in the beaker. And as we're being shaken around by the world, we have to practice good deeds. We have to practice loving one another. We have to practice following the commands of Jesus. In verse 22 of 1 John chapter 3, it says, And we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and we do what pleases him. Do you know what pleases Jesus? And if your answer today is no, that's okay. Keep coming. Keep learning. Keep growing. That's the way this journey works. We don't just believe in Jesus one day and then all of us know exactly what pleases Jesus. I wish it was that simple. But there's a journey that he brings us on. And we learn bit by bit, more by more, what it means to please Jesus. Like there's certain things that we even saw from this passage. You know, if you have possessions, you see someone need, help them out. Help someone out. That pleases Jesus. Be generous to someone in need. That pleases Jesus. Think of the least of these. That pleases Jesus. All of these things that we learn about grows us in this journey of sacrificial love. And then the last thing that we need to do comes from verse 24 that we know it by the spirit he gave us right where it talks about the one who keeps god's commands lives in him and he in them and this is how we know that he lives in us we know it by the spirit he gave us i was watching this youtube video last week and it was a debate between a famous atheist and a a famous christian and the atheist said to the Christian leader, he says, name one good thing that a Christian can do that an atheist can't do. And stumped the Christian leader. Name one good thing that a Christian can do that an atheist can't do. And it stumped him. And then another pastor kind of did a commentary on that video. There is actually an answer. There is good news. (laughs) And the answer is, is the atheist cannot love the Lord, his God, with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He can't. He cannot love the Lord, his God, or her God, with all of his mind, soul, strength. Can't do it. That's the difference. And the church works out of that. Because the atheist can love and set up nonprofit organizations and food banks and orphanages and hospitals and all of these things that the church invented and the church invented it out of sacrificial love for the world. (laughs) Right? So it has to be about the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you ever find yourself struggling with hatred or selfishness, you need to pray, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me. Deal with my selfishness. Deal with my hatred. Don't let me be that man. Don't let me be that girl. Change that. I don't like it. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. It almost becomes a really good daily prayer. (laughs) Holy Spirit, fill me so I can go to work today. Holy Spirit, fill me so I can go to school today. Holy Spirit, fill me so I can love genuinely and sacrificially because that is the way you loved me. Let's pray.
Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I praise you that you are a God of love. (laughs) That your love surpasses all understanding. And that it is your love on display in your church that will show the world that there's something different happening in this place, this church, other churches across our city, other churches around the world. God, we know as the church, we don't always agree on things like doctrine. We don't always agree on things like methodologies. We don't always agree on structures and formats and all of these things. But the one thing that we should all agree on is Jesus. Jesus, the one true God, fully God, fully man, the sacrificial lamb who came to take away the sins of the world. And that it's his death and his resurrection that changes everything, including us. And so, Father, help us to love one another. Deal with any hatred that might try to get a foothold into our hearts. Lord God, deal with any selfishness that tries to grip into our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would set us free from the forces of darkness that want us to be selfish and hateful and instead help us to have genuine, genuine love and genuine sacrificial service to one another for your glory. And so, Holy Spirit, as we continue to worship the Father and the Son, just continue to minister to our hearts, speak to us as we continue to listen. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.